Welcome to the Process to Ecom Profit Podcast, where we know top-line sales just isn't enough to have the business of your dreams. Learn to run a profitable business online that doesn't run you. Welcome to the Process to Ecom Profits Podcast. I am really excited because one of my favorite people is on today. And I know I say, I said, you know, other guests are one of my favorite people, but Dan is amazing. He is the in-house uh, for Amazon for, for uh, Black & Decker for the UK. And, you know, he, he's, he's done a lot of things. He's been a reseller. He's worked in an agency. Uh, and so he's going to share a little bit today about his experiences and kind of what we can learn from that and take uh, to kind of apply to our own situation. So, Dan, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you so much for inviting me. I know you probably get this from a lot of you guests, but it's so lovely to speak to you again. Uh, for those that don't know, that uh, Robin and I speak a lot on a, a few different webinars because uh, the Amazon, to find a real, real Amazon expert in this world is so few and far between. So we all tend to get to know each other quite well in the meantime. And uh, Robin's positivity is just something that is unmatched in this world uh if you get to see any of the webinars that we're in she'll always dropping a, a phrase or comment that will just throw me off guard completely you know years and years of speaking to people publicly and i just lose lose it completely when i'm speaking with robin because there'll always be something that i won't know and it'll take me completely off track and throw me massively so th- again thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it Oh, I love talking to you. And I love leading webinars with you because it's so much fun. And I do love it when I throw out something and I can see you like trying to not laugh. Like, because I said something like it's it's kind of like now it's a kind of like a life goal. So, um, but so can you tell us a little bit about how you got started? You know, how does one become, you know, the in-house for a big brand? But, you know, kind of what does that path look like for you? Uh, it's a really, really complicated story, actually. So, um, you know, uh, I started out uh, in real estate, um, uh, state agency for the, the UK viewers, real estate for the US viewers. Um, and I, I don't know if this is universal, but we got paid really, really badly. You know, we're talking like less than minimum wage, but because we got a lot of commission, it sort of balanced the things out. So I had a side hustle uh, selling iPhone charges on Amazon. And uh, I've been selling on Amazon, God, now, like, yeah, since 2012, so nearly, you know, nearly 10 years now. It feels like a lot, lot longer time than that. Um, but uh, from my perspective, it's, uh, yeah, it's back when you could say I sell iPhone chargers, uh, iPhone chargers that do this, iPhone chargers that do that. Uh, you know, very few people will remember that. Robin, I think you'll remember when we used to be able to get away. You could, well, you could do anything. It was, <laughs> it was like living in a Western movie. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was the uh, the the big way forward, and it's just been advancing everything uh, across the way from there. And uh, that, yeah, that's where that's where I am now. Um, start uh, went into agency side with things, which was interesting. Got to see quite a f- uh, variety of uh, different accounts, and then uh, then building from there uh, to see you know you do anything from there was one that was uh, STD checking online all the way down <laughs> to uh you know uh, down to uh, uh, to phone cases as well there's, there's a massive change uh there. so the variety you got to ch- you got to see all sorts of different elements and um building from there so it was my job to sort of look over our 120 clients and then look where the growth opportunities were I, that's where i got my commission basis from it as well so i got very good at automating as much as i possibly could as well um 
you'll probably heard him. He just came in. Um, he wanted to see what his daddy was is up to, and um, I thought his mum would be back by now, but it's, uh, his grandma's just brought him back in. I had my little boy, and um, uh, agency life uh, just didn't suit. Uh, everything that I was looking for because uh, a lot of my agency profile was going around around the world speaking, which, you know, I'm never going to criticize. It was an amazing life. I got to live and see uh, so many different cultures and experience it. But when you've got a family, I just couldn't do do that. Uh, you know, I'd like prior to COVID uh, in the six months, uh, well, prior to COVID, uh, prior to before COVID life, um, the six months before then, I probably spent about two, three weeks, full weeks at home. Um, so it wasn't fair on my little boy. Uh, the opportunity came up with uh, Stanley Black and Decker. Uh, the uh, global VP of e-commerce reached out to me and said, "You know, Dan, you know, you've pitched me a few times. I like what you're doing. Would you ever thought about going in-house? I'm like, yeah, you know what? I have actually thought about going in-house. So here I am now uh, heading up the uh, the marketing team for the UK side of things. Always have my sights on, on more. But it's, uh, yeah, always interesting to see what we can go from there. You know, because I've heard that going from agency life to going to in-house life can be a little bit like exiting off the freeway. Because, you know, with agency life, it's like that guy, that guy, like, like, as soon as you're Mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm caught up. And they're like, we assigned you for more clients or, you know, like, it's just can be a lot. And, you know, and, and every client is important and every client dollar is valuable. And every client looks at you as their one point of contact. So they're like, well, why can't mm-hmm. I have those images today? Uh, and yeah. so to go from 120 clients to one client, that had to be kind of a big adjustment. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, you know, agency life, like you said, is exactly that. You are constantly on, you know, the world is constantly on fire. You have to do this, 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 and this. And then you've got the new business side of things to go forward as well. So I've got to plan this, I've got to plan this. And then you've got all the interpersonal side of things that come into it, which people just don't appreciate enough that it's not just about the products you sell, it's about how you are as a person. And uh, even to this day, I still believe that people buy people over products 100% of the time. It's probably why, you know, it's probably why you're doing so well. Um, on the, But like I said, uh, when you come in-house, what I found was there's always a lot of processes. Now, there's there's a lot of agencies out there with a lot of processes. That, you know, I'm never going to deny that. Uh, but there's a lot of uh, this is how this is done, this is how this is done, um, and this is how we we do these things. So my job at first, I sort of went in with a sledgehammer. It's like, no, 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 this is how we're going to do things. This is how I'm going to do things. But when you, you're you know the new guy uh, <laughs> at the bottom of a uh, multi-billion-dollar company, uh, that's been around long before you you were born, and will probably be here around long after you're gone. As morbid as that sounds, um, uh, you've got to you've got to appreciate those processes there for a reason. So sometimes when I've got my agency mindset, I'm like, right, cool, let's go with this, let's do this. So when there's low hanging fruit, and I can see a competitor's got a weakness, I can go right. This is why I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing it quickly because of this reason. Other times, it's sometimes better to go slowly and work through the processes because those processes are there for a reason. So at times it's bang- it felt like I was banging my head against a brick wall, you know, like trying to move uh, a cruise ship with a paddle board. Um, but other times it's been a case of, you know what, when you get, you get it right, the, uh, the balance, right. It's, it does have the same sort of feel as agency life. It does at the moment because everyone wants, uh, everyone wants something at the moment but you know that's life you can probably hear all the emails pinging in the background because i decided to log on with my work laptop rather than my personal one <laughs> they're like you're available yeah, yeah it's like, oh yeah, dan's you- online let's, let's see oh. what he's doing. <laughs> yeah 
Well, and you know, like I find, so somebody asked me, they're like, why do you still like working with smaller companies? Why don't you just work with bigger companies? And I don't know if you've had this experience, but bigger companies are great because they, you know, you can, you have, you have a bigger budget sometimes, you know, like, but like, like sometimes like that shark tank size company, like I'm working directly with the founder or, you know, so like decisions are a lot faster. I would imagine with a big company like Stanley Black and Decker that there is just more layers of approval and like not as much of like, well, let's not rush into this a little bit. Let's make sure everything's thought through and, and approved correctly. Yeah, exactly. From a previous standpoint, it's a case of, right, um, I'd look at a client and say, right, you need to sort these brand stores out um but if i say that here it's like right okay i've got to get the head of brand on then i've got to deal with uh the the trade team as well because it'll have been built by the trade team because it's been specifically for a promotion that we were doing so it made trade sense and the trades of what we do is still a lot of b2b activity yes. so these guys really drive that so it's, if i was to ignore their opinions i'd be like well you know you're ignoring the reason why we do it you know they understand the margins. I don't. I just say, oh, opportunity. But uh, it's, you know, you're involving three or four people in a sense that normally uh, back in my agency side, I'd say, right, do this. Boom, it's gone. And uh, yeah, it's it, it does have that. But like you say, you've got to have it because to be frank, I've never ever had, because you work with, I've worked with so many clients, I've never had, um, uh, what's the nice way of putting it? I've never had time for tone of voice when it comes uh, i've been you know i was targeted on growth and that's what i got good at um the tone of voice would then uh, or the brand's tone of voice should i say would then sort of slip by the wayside and then yeah i mean you've seen it when uh, that takes the drive you have something that doesn't doesn't look cohesive you haven't got that omni-channel experience you know i could be on one of our retailers websites and the whole idea is right i go from the retailers website to amazon and it's still supposed to feel the same but if i've had my own way with it it wouldn't in any way shape or form it and it's got to have that especially in this in this in this industry i mean in this world at the moment well and there's you know there's just a lot more things to consider you know in in the way that you're presenting and the way that you're being brand consistent and you know a bigger company is a bigger target for a lawsuit so you know you do have to be a lot tighter on your legal um Kind of going back a little bit, you know, you started as a reseller. When you first went into the agency life, what were some things that surprised you from going to like managing your own account to managing multiple accounts? Yeah, oh, that's a really interesting question. Uh, it was it's a fair shock to the system because I started out with the sales element of it. It was my job to try and bring uh, more clients in. Uh, but then I became, this, you know, when people saw that I had the aptitude for it, I became a subject matter expert for it. Um, the other side of things as well is uh, I felt the initial impact was I I was really, really protective over, over my account. So if someone had been into one of them, I'd want to know, right, why someone else come into these accounts? What's everyone making changes for? But you've got to have, you know, when you've got 120 clients, you've got to, you've got to let it go, right? You've got to let other people that seems like an insane amount of clients for one account manager that's that's a lot that's a lot more you know no it's it's one of those things you've you've got to get it right and it's because um i was you know so precious about these things and it wasn't you know it just wasn't just the amazon side of things that you know it was uh google bing um facebook marketplaces and stuff like that and it got to the point where you have to let it go and you know the team 
uh, since I've left has got a lot more people to it, and it's good good to see that as well. Um, but but and yeah, like like you said, it's just too much for one person, and that was the big thing. Been so used to having just the one account to look after and putting my heart and soul into it. But um, I th- actually, I think you mentioned this on one of the webinars we've been on. You know, if you live and die by every single uh, mistake, you know, you're going to die a lot before you before you're happy. Well, and you know, so I was thinking, like, if I was going to hire somebody in house, you know, it's one thing for somebody to manage their own private label account or for them to like be a VA on like one account, but like I think having somebody that has agency experience kind of helps you to say, okay, they've been able to produce results on multiple products. It wasn't just because they were looking, you know, they had a product that, you know, was was gold, you know, that they got lucky on. It really kind of helps you isolate, okay, they can perform on multiple kinds of products. Yeah, definitely. And Do you think that that's, me, that's true? Yeah. Yeah, I think that definitely gave me the advantage coming into this place that, you know, I can say, look, uh, from a history, um, look, this is what I've done with, X, Y, and Z, you know, under NDA, so I can talk about which clients had done what fullback and say, look, you know, for this uh, wholesale brand, for this brand, I did this, 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 and this, and they could see for themselves uh, the uh, the impact that it had, and it just spoke for itself. And um, one of the big things I always used to say when I was working in sales is, you know, you're only as good as your next sale. So the other side of that is, you know, I can say, oh yeah, I've done this fantastic work, I've done this fantastic work, but unless you produce that fantastic work on that side of things, you know, things to come then it's not really worth your dime. And it's about bigging yourself up because not a lot of people do that in a correct fashion. You know, you know they're, they're all talk, but then it's them producing the results on the other hand as well, which is something that, uh, again, having my own store before I came into uh, really helped me along the way. You know, I think that can lead us into kind of, you know, if somebody's looking to hire help on Amazon or really any place, Facebook ads, you know, their SEO, like when is it good to hire an agency versus when is it ha- you know time to bring somebody in house? Because for me, I, th- I think that when, you know, an agency is really good when you don't have the budget for a whole person, you want to get, you know, good quality talent. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not, like you said, people who really know Amazon are really rare. And there's a lot of people out there that are Amazon experts, but I can tell from what they post they have not sold on Amazon. They don't have a lot of experience. And I, I, I get a lot of uh, clients that come to me after they work with those and the accounts are just a mess. Um, so what would you say some of the advantages are of, of hiring in-house versus uh, you know, hiring an agency? So the hiring with the in-house side of things, you can be more reactive. You can do some of the more cool stuff as long as you know what you're doing with it. Um, you can monitor your competitors a lot, a lot more closely. You know, we as an agency, you would always have uh, processes and procedures in place to look after them. But if you, if it's your job day in day out to look into this account, you look at these things in such a granular detail that you get to the sort of predictive analytics level, and that's where we all all want to be. Uh, conversely, you know what? If you're looking at the same thing day in day out, you can't see the woods for the trees sometimes and then you might find an example say um you know like i said I, i'm i'm diy now but i could i may have found something in uh, home and beauty um uh, on one of my accounts there that actually impacts diy and i would never have thought about it in a million years so it's a trade-off in there as well i'd say if you've got the time uh uh yeah if you've got the time definitely do it yourself bring it in in house and uh you know if you've not got 
uh, the time to fully understand it. Even as an interim, have an agency and because it's time versus effort versus revenue reward. If you look at it and you think, oh my God, this is terrible. I have no understanding. Right. That's when you bring the agency in. If you then learn how to do it inside and out and you've got the time to do it, then yeah, 100% do it yourself, test and learn. But if you don't have the time to do it, if you've got those big decisions to make, you then need an agency to do it because this requires so much time and precision. It's, you know, it's not like the old days where you could just set these things up and just leave it. Uh, Amazon in itself has so many different elements now for than just SEO and PPC. It's, uh, it, you know, it's down to even up to any, you know, it's down to the granular details like email marketing all the way up to TV marketing. So if you've not got an expert in this field, you're going to miss out massively with it. So it's always, that's where the benefit of having the agency comes to there. And, you know, I find a lot of, you know, even companies, you know, especially like that when you're working with like a founder, they don't have time to monitor Amazon Seller Central to say like, oh, look, they decided to change that policy and not tell us, you know, they, they, they just don't have the bandwidth. It's not that they couldn't do it. It's just that if they do that, they're not monitoring their supply chain and their product development. And that's the thing that they only really they can do. So I think there's a cost that's pretty big there. And if you bring somebody in, if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to bring in an SME, a subject matter expert to to be our in-house, it's just really expensive to get somebody good, like six figures plus, you know, uh, my husband got um, headhunted and then we're offering like 150 to 180, you know, and it's just the US dollars, you know, and, you know, we we didn't really pursue it. So, you know, sometimes those things are kind of like Trojan horse mm-hmm. and like, Oh, well, when we get in there, there's some, you know, half of that's you know commission or something like that. But, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's expensive to bring somebody in house. Mm-hmm. It is. And, it's, and like you said, we, like we said, right at the start, the, the experts are very few and far between. So it's a case of when you get the right person, you know, they're not going to be cheap, but you're buying the experience. You know, I always say to people, look, I've made every mistake. Amazon had to offer. I didn't read T's and C's properly. I didn't go down to FB, you know, I didn't check my FBA stock. You know, I'd set a born to run campaign on something that didn't really need to be born to run or something along those sort of lines. But, you know, incidentally as well, I don't know about you, but I've heard born to run in the last two weeks more so than I've done my entire Amazon career. I don't know how, uh, how much has come up with you lately, but like the text is just coming around there and the, the buzz for it. It's just something that, like I said, in the last two weeks, I've heard more than I've done in the last 10 years around. Yeah, it, so it's crazy it's, yeah. how in Amazon like land, like there's like something that like people are like, oh, yeah, I know that. And then everybody's like, did you hear about this program? Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. it's been around for five years. Why are yeah, we just yeah, talking yeah. about this now? Yeah, you know, exactly. There's yeah, like, there's been a lot of talk about it lately. But um, yeah, it's exactly like you said, you know, to get the right people, they're expensive. But they're, you know, it's you've got to look at it as you return on investment, you know. If uh, someone's giving you're giving someone a giving someone a pound, are they giving you fourteen back? Yes, no. Well, you know, there we go. That gives you your answer. Could you have done that? Maybe you could have, but have you got the experience to do it? Versus, like exactly as you said, Robin, time versus effort. You know, as a founder, you've got to be dealing with all the other stuff that nobody else. You know, I I just don't have the bandwidth to to think about in any major detail. It's um, massively difficult to think about. You know, getting just the supply chain and the flywheel around these things um yeah it's enough stress dealing with the marketing that's a full-time job in itself and some people just don't appreciate it as that they see it as oh it's just something you know i can do it when i've got five minutes i've got 10 minutes it's it's not it's a full-time job in itself and that's why there's so many uh people that uh, claim to be an expert in what we do because there's a lot of good money going to people that 
aren't doing a good job and then they come to people like you and me and say oh you know robin can you save me some some fools mess my account and uh not set up any negative adwords or something simple like that. yeah i mean like we've we've taken over accounts like even for like larger agencies and there was no negative matching and i was like who was running and so the only thing i could think of is that they scale because because our space has been growing so fast that instead of like bringing people in i mean like this is the process that we run ads it's been more like you know what about it? Okay, here's five accounts. Go do what you want. And so some people are good and some people are bad. It's going to take them time to weed those people out. But in the meantime, if you're the brand, you just got to sign the person that is just really good salesperson, uh, you know, that, you know, did, but doesn't have the stuff to back it up, then that, that can really hurt you. And it can create a really negative experience around agencies uh, in the Amazon space overall. Exactly. If- all it takes is one but one bad experience then compounded with another and you're like, well, you know, none of these guys know what they're doing. You know, every ad manager has accounts that they do best on. You know, so, you know, Nate's really good at, you know, doing a lot of different kinds of ads, but it, you know, sometimes people are just good at sponsored products or they're really good at me too products. Like if somebody really like was born and bred in the private label, sometimes going to a bigger brand that's in brick and mortar, they haven't dealt with you know, buy box suppressions and, you know, uh, you know, all of the things that come with that bigger retail distribution. Um, so, it, you know, even, even if you get somebody who knows what they're doing, if they don't have the right experience too, it's not always a good fit too. It's like we said, you're buying the person over the products, uh, ins and outs, mm-hmm. you, you don't, and you often don't get to meet the people that you'll be dealing with day in, day out until after you sign the contract. Right. So that's, uh, that's the trouble. <laughs> if you were talking to somebody that was about like the size of like dragons down or shark tank, what would, would you recommend that they, I mean, uh, what would you recommend that they do if they're like, like Amazon sales have been doing well, but we're, we're looking to grow them. Um, but I've been trying to do it and I just, you know, it's just a lot to learn and I can't, you know, I've got, I got the basics of it, but I don't really know what the next step should be. Yeah. To, to me, those, those people should definitely be looking at bringing in an agency uh, support because, um, you know, if you've tried to do it yourself and then you're not getting anywhere, if you bring in, um, you know, if you bring somebody in uh, who's fairly new to Amazon ads, you've got to try and teach them. But if you are teaching them what you know, you're still not being able to grow. So in that instance, you've got to have an agency because you've got the potential. You can see that you know for every uh, you know every dollar you're spending in ads, you're getting a return. But you know, there's more to go for that. Then we're all you know what? Surely the agency fee versus uh, your ad spend versus your your revenue justifies that. And, you know, a lot of companies that size, they, they just can't afford. Um, but, the you know, the, the problem that agencies can have sometimes is that they don't have, you know, if somebody's got 120 accounts, it's hard for them to be thinking. And I like, oh, you know, we should just really reshoot those images. I wonder if let's A-B test these things because they, you know, what do you what would be some tips that you would give people on how to get the most out of the agency that you're working with? Uh, the best way to get the, the most out of the agency um, would be, you know, know your own KPIs. Now, if I, if you're not a founder um, and say so you're, you know, you're a couple down below uh, marketing director or uh, head of marketing or something of the sort of lines, you've got to know what your your KPIs. What are you going to be judged with? What's the yardstick that you either can be protected or beaten with? Um, and that's what you know. That's what I I'd always say. Right? Okay. Um, what's what is going to get you your your promotion what is going to make you look good um if it's ross right here's a plan that's going to show you how to get 
the best row ass. And then challenge the agency to say, look, I am only going to get what I want out of life if we hit these KPIs. And it's best to be honest with them right at the start, like even in the initial meeting stages, to say to them, look, this is what my KPI is. How can you help me hit, hit that? I actually love clients that come in and say, like, look, I, I know a three ROAS is supposed to be good, but it has to be a five in order for us to be successful. So I know we can't get there overnight, but I need to know when you can get me to a five. And if you can't, I need to know that. Or, you know, we had a client that's like, you know what? I launch a lot of products. I really need to manage tacos by product. And, you know, we were like, great, we can do that. That's not a problem. Um, and, you know, it, it it makes it easier for us to make if, if as an agency owner, I want to deliver what every client needs if, if they're up front. So I think sometimes people don't want to say like, look, this is what we need in order for it to be profitable enough. Um, but sometimes if you don't tell that agency, you know, a three ROAS or, you know, 20% A cost isn't enough, then, you know, they could think they're doing a really great job where you're thinking they're failing. And so you're just going to get more and more frustrated with them. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, which, which is a tough life, but you know, it happens and it happens to a lot of people, but it's about making sure we get, you get it right. And you communicate it and not just communicate it um, verbally that you've got an email trail as well, which, you know, I, we always, you know, when you start delving deep into the paperwork, you know, that's that relationship's going to end well. But, you know, it's having that right from the start, you know, plastered over everything you do, even like borderline tattooed across your forehead when you're on the Zoom meetings or something, that, you know, something like that. Um, it's it's got to be as clear as day, because if that's something that you really care about, then your agency needs to care about it as well. You know, and you know, so and just knowing the metrics that are available. So if you're working with an agency, you don't feel like you're getting a lot of reporting. You ask them what met metrics they're measuring and how are they, you know, how are they, because they should be able to tell you, all right, so we really, you know, the way that we look at it is we look at unit session percentage and tacos, or we look at TROAS and, uh, you know, sessions or whatever it is that they're looking at and make sure that those, that their goals are aligning with your goals. Um, and, you know, sometimes even, you know, we've had clients that are like, well, this is what we need. And, you know, if they, they want to get a, you know, they want to get a 12 ROAS on phone cases, mm -hmm. it's going to be pretty tough, <laughs> you yeah, know, exactly. and you've got, you've got to, you've got to have that honesty, even if it means like potentially losing the business, yes. because if you're the one that's honest with them and say, look, this is not going to happen. And this is the reason why it's not going to happen. When those reasons why don't happen, when they go to another agency that says it does happen, you know some you know some people you know they won't like the fact that you said I told you so, but um, in the other instances I found that oh you know what you said was going to happen, exactly happened, and uh, and it's 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 one of these things that you know you win some you lose some, but I'd rather have a fully honest relationship and say look I can do this we can't do this um, you know you spend most of your time dealing with the the people that you've you said, oh, yeah, maybe we can do this. Where the, where the lines are gray, you spend more time dealing with them and you deal with the headaches. And is it as profitable uh, for an agency to spend so much time with these people? Probably not. If they'd have just been honest at, at the out front and said, I can't do this, you can't do this, it can't be done, here's why it can't be done, then you're setting up the questions for when they go to the next person who says it can be done. And they say, right, well, they said this, they said this, they said this, why, why can't it be done? And then you have to ask them and then they, you know, they, then you have something documented and I would rather have a client be upset with me after an audit where I say like, you know, we just had somebody that, uh, they had like a, a beverage 
And with Amazon fees, it just didn't make sense. Their margin was not, you know, where it needed to be. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I, you know, we could sign you up and we could run ads, but I think that in six months you're going to say, you know, even if we did met all of our goals, I think that you're still going to feel like this was a lot of capital investment for very little return. And so I'd rather have somebody be upset with me there than having put, you know, our retainer and the, you know, the ad spend, you know, percentage and the, the actual ad spend and the time that it takes to approve content and, you know, like all of that. And then be like, wow, I still don't have what I was really looking for. And I, now I'm out how many thousands of dollars? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, you've got to take that initial punch, but it just gets worse uh, if you, the longer you leave it. We used to call it swallow the frog. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, um, it, Amazon advertising has been changing a lot, um, a lot more uh, ad types. And I, you know, we're doing a lot more creative on the ad types with sponsored brands driving to uh, like pages within the storefront with, you know, more design that are more like CRO landing pages almost, um, which I think is going to be a challenge for some agencies that have only, you know, they haven't been doing listing optimization. They've only been doing ads uh, and the, the, the very bottom of funnel ads. How do you see the changes in advertising affecting agencies and even brand owners who are running their own ads in the next year or so? It's become, um, you know, I hate to use this comparison, but Google, um, Amazon is becoming more and more like Google. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in any sort of agency, you wouldn't just have uh, the person that deals with your PPC also dealing with your SEO. Uh, there might be a bit of an overlap between the CRO, but they wouldn't be their sole their sole focus. You wouldn't have that same person then doing the design or the creative assets for it as well. So you've got to treat this as if you, uh, from an agency side, you've got to treat it uh, as if you uh, were servicing a client from a Google perspective. And this is why I see a lot of agencies that are in in market as Google agencies or Bing agencies uh doing you know uh struggling with the transition to uh amazon because they'll say oh you know we need someone that can do this 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 and this and it's like well you know that one point at the start is a full-time job where you know where they're gonna get the time to do this um and that's why you really need especially someone that understands that you know what actually you know my skill set doesn't um uh involve this this is what i'm good at we need to speak to somebody else they can deal with it, and it's it's the same thing with a with a founder. Look, you know you, uh, you know I was, let me say you know if we're looking at if you you know you're putting up your own website rather than going on Amazon, you uh you've got your products, you know what you're going to do with it. Uh, if you imagine you didn't put it on Amazon and you just put it up on your website, you know you'd find yourself having a copywriter, uh, a technical SEO, uh, a, you know someone a dev to maintain the site, etc. Just to name a few, and you're looking at three. Uh, three maybe four different incomes there on minimum you know even if you put them on minimum wage which you should never do for these people but if, even if you did there's a massive outlay of cost there so it, it that to me is down to if the person who has the product wants to sell more then they need to scale up in the right way and you can't just sort of bundle five or six jobs together and then just say yeah here yeah, this is this is all you yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, even if you bring somebody in house, it's not likely going to be one person. The same person that's good at op bid optimization is probably not going to be good at creative. Um, so you're mm -hmm. going to need somebody that does that. And I think that if you're working with an agency, asking, you know, do they have a different team for creative? 
uh, how do they collaborate? Because like our creative team and our ad team will get together. We, you know, we have like, you know, we have meetings where we go through and they say, well, these are the ad objectives that we're trying to meet. Uh, or this is the buyer we're trying to at- attack. And then we'll say, all right, well, you know, we had a product recently that was really kind of their primary customer is, uh, you know, a specific subset of the of the population, like a very specific group. And we said, you know what, we should change these images to make sure that they match the buyer, you know, and so that people can see themselves. If we know we're specifically targeting and this is the only demographic that's converting, it doesn't make sense to have a wide variety of people. We just want to have this group of people that are represented really strongly in the primary images. And we can add those other folks in the A plus content, um, but making sure that, you know, but if we, you know, if we weren't working together as a team, if it was just, you know, things that projects that people were going through Asana queues, then I think it would be difficult to kind of meet those objectives. Yep, definitely. And it's that insight right there that's worth its weight in gold that, you know, for someone like yourself to look at the data and say, actually, you know what, we're only confirming, and you know, we're only converting with one particular demographic. Um, the rest of them, uh, you know, are negligible in comparison. And, you know, it's a hard call to make, but it's like, you know, you're spending money in these five different graphics, but only one of them are converting them. Or well, why are we focusing on the other? It's like, oh, well, you know, they might turn into cells. Well, not, we don't deal with mites. We want to deal with actual numbers. We want to deal with yeses rather than hammering on the door for repeated no's. Yeah. Be, and I, I, you I'm, know, like it, there's, there's lots, there's always lots of different buyers. Um, and, you know, people know whether they're kind of the fringe buyer for a product or not. So it's not like you're going to shock them, you know, it's, but it's making sure that the, your, your target customer knows. Um, what else would you say is, um, you know, something is, what was, if you could go back and like one of your best friends was going to hire an agency, what would be like the top, like one or two pieces of advice that you would say, like when you're shopping around? Uh, the first piece I would be is have your own KPIs in mind. Um, I think we, we said it a little bit earlier, know what you're going to be judged on. Um, those will be different if you're a CMO, if you're a founder, a CFO, um, you know, everyone's got their own, their own judgments on these things. Make sure you know what your own KPIs are and then people that you report into, what KPIs are they interested in as well? So the CFO, you know, are they going to be interested in a cost and ROAS? More than likely. Uh, your CMO, are they going to be uh, interested in new to brand and, uh, you know, uh, and impressions? More than likely there as well. But, you know, one doesn't always preclude the other. Um, so, yeah, so know your KPIs and know what your boss and their boss's boss want out of it is the, is the first thing before engaging with any agency. These are the, those are the first things that would have. Um, second point as well, I used to have a very... Make sh- yeah, make sure your goals are aligned right at the start as well with the agency. You've got to make sure that you know what they're going to do. They know what they're going to do. Uh, a lot of agencies, okay, you know, we can also do this for you. Like, no, 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 that, that doesn't interest me any way, shape, or form. But if they come to you, you've got to be strong and say, oh, well, actually, no, this doesn't apply to what we're doing. This is the key laser beam focus. Uh, a lot of agencies say, you know, we want to be part of the team. We want to be... Uh, built further and that's you know that's really good to win people over and win the more business but you then sort of say you end up in the routine of oh do you know anyone that could do that or do that for us and they'll say oh yeah well we sort of do that and you end up saying with a lot of projects that have yeah sort of we're good at versus what we are actually good at as well we get that a lot too they're like can you run our facebook ads i was like 
uh, you know, I mean, I, I could, you just don't want me to like, there's better people mm. that you could hire that, you know, and, and I don't, I don't want somebody to pay me to learn their accounts. You know, like I would rather them, you know, hire somebody in our space that, or, you know, in the digital marketing space that I know is really good, you know, so I'll send them to a referral. Um, I think that's a really good point because sometimes like, yeah, I can, I can do Etsy. And, you know, you find out later like, oh, this was your first Etsy account. Okay. Well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is what it is. And like you say, they're paying you to learn at that point. It's like, uh, there's a famous quote from uh, Richard Branson that is, um, say yes to the opportunity, even if you don't know what it is, which is, you know, it's a very good entrepreneurial spirit to have. But in some cases, you know, if, if you're wanting results that's not the uh that's not the best way, best way forward if you think you can do it and you've got uh and you've got confidence in yourself that you can do it then yeah do it but if you haven't done it before or you've not been successful at it before just because you've dipped your toe in doesn't make you an expert you can't just put on linkedin amazon expert google expert because you know you finished uh you finished amazon's uh uh free ad campaign you know that's day one stuff you know what i mean that's it <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I did the learning console. You know, I did uh, Semrush's uh, email marketing campaign uh, uh, course. You know, I'm now an expert. And, you know, I sat on uh, Robin's course and did um, my uh, my Amazon training, uh, which, you know, actually, to be fair, I did after I got that. And I still actually learned quite a lot there. So you would be on your way to being an expert by uh, sitting on Robin's uh, Semrush course there. But you won't be a complete expert because there's different factors in there that Robin doesn't talk about, right? So it's uh, it's just because you've sat through the training doesn't make you an expert. It's the years of adversity and things coming out of left field at you that makes you the expert. Yeah, because you know, like there's there's a lot of things that change. You know, like you used to be able to say great customer service. Now your store page will get denied because of that. You say antimicrobial. Now it's a pesticide. You know, they, 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 there's a lot of pieces. Yeah. That can be a little tricky. You could end up, you know, for not knowing those little bits of detail, you end up in a massive feedback loop with Amazon. It's like, right, I changed yeah. this. I changed this. And it's like, no, it's still not good enough. No, it's still not good. enough. And you get to the point where they say, actually, we're not dealing with this anymore. You just can't have it. So that's where the expertise comes through in because the time, to know that little detail could, you know, things that you couldn't you couldn't even put into Google to say why is this not working because it's not Amazon's platform is not built like that. It's a case of actually, you know what, I'll ask an expert, and you know what, I've got to pay the expert prices because that time you're doing it may take you ten minutes to fix, but for someone that doesn't know what they're doing, that could be four or five days worth of work. And you even with an expert, sometimes that happens where like they change the policy and they didn't tell us anywhere, and so they're like something's mm-hmm. wrong. And you're like, okay hotter colder can you tell me what paragraph yeah. what module it was in um but it, at least we reduced that you know if, if somebody was looking to go in-house they're like look i can't deal with this agency life anymore like i am tired of always feeling like i'm running um what would you say like things to consider before they make that move uh the one of the things that i had to consider was how um, my own pace of work is and how I am personally. Uh, the role that I've taken on now is uh, fully remote, which is good for me because uh, our head office is probably about a four-hour drive from where I am now. Um, and the reason I came in-house was because of my little boy and I wanted to spend more time with him. So this fits in perfectly for me. Um, whereas somebody else that's used to working in a team, speaking on teams collaboratively, et cetera, et cetera, 
uh, you you're going to lose that uh, by coming in house because you'll speak to you know I speak to my boss every day, but in some instances there's people that wouldn't speak to their boss every day. You know you'd lose that sort of interaction, um, and then be prepared to have to dig and learn things yourself because you know you don't have the that straightforward. Oh, you know what? I've seen it on this account. I've picked it up. We've gone to learn. It's a case of you've got to learn and you've got to see and you've got to test and there's going to be nothing to fall back on. It is all on you. I mean, depending on the role that you've got, but there's nowhere, there's nowhere to hide. You can't just say, oh, actually, this, this is somebody else's problem. This is it's always, always, at the end of the day, it's your head on the block and you've got to be, are you ready for that responsibility? You know, like in some ways I think it would be so much less stressful, but then also so much more stressful because like that product launch doesn't go, I mean, it, that's a problem. You know, like it's, it's a, I mean, you've got to be a lot more vested in each product. Do you find that you have to, um, I was thinking about people who've only done Amazon, you know, like they, maybe they grew up in private label, they got picked up by an ad agency and, you know, they've only been running Amazon ads. Do you, do you think that if somebody's thinking that they should take the time, like I was I, w- I was wondering if they would need to know like the more traditional marketing terms, like, you know, and how traditional like Google marketing works to be able to explain kind of like why Amazon is the way it is. You know what? I've only ever explained Amazon uh, via Google terms because I speak to people like yourself that, have, uh, that know both inside and out as well. Um, yeah, that is, that's a tough one. Um I honestly, you know, honestly, I wouldn't know how to speak to somebody unless they'd they'd had a bit of Google experience about Amazon. I think that's more down to my own personal failings. But um, if you were like I did, um, starting out with Amazon before you have any Google experience, um, there, yeah, there's, I, I, you definitely would need to have some sort of training course first, just to understand, you know, the phrases, you know, even like just the basic uh, acronyms, ACOS, ROAS, uh, CCR, uh, CPCs, things like that, you know, which, you know, when we've worked in Google before, these things, yeah, we know what these mean, but uh, it's, I suppose it's like putting someone in a fourth year medical degree that's not even done the first year. Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's just hard to explain it. Or, or would they come to you as something that's new in the Google space because they read about it? Like uh, I had a client who was like, tell me about, you know, Murr and Amazon. I was like, Wow, I mean, if I wasn't on PPC chat, I probably because that's not a term that we use in the Amazon space. Mm-hmm. You know, like you would you would look like you didn't know what you were talking about because exactly. the vernacular is so different. And like even be able to say, I know that like on Google PPC, you know, SEM and SEO are not are not tied, but here they are tied. Like I think it would be difficult to get buy in from the team if you didn't have at least like the foundational pieces to have that conversation. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, the easiest thing for me to, to explain to people is, oh, you know, what's it like uh, doing Amazon PPC? It's like, yeah, it's like doing Google PPC like five years ago. It's, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> well, that's and why that's, I think it's good I to explain. know Google too, is because people are like, yeah. why do you care about Google? I'm like, because we're following Google's evolutionary path. And so if I want to see, if I want to sneak peek in what the next chapter is, I, I just go look over here and there's the next chapter. Exactly, and that's it's to be fair. It's what I do in the UK because the UK uh, Amazon market is basically the uh, is the um, the result of what's worked well and what's worked badly uh, in the US. So I see, I can say to um, you know, we need to be prepared for this, 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 and this. And like, well, it's not even on our radar yet. Well, it's not now, but it will be in six months. Yeah, you know, and it's it's an advantage, but then also you also don't get the fun new toys until everybody's already learned a little bit about them. 
Exactly. And they've then gone into the variations of a, of a minute detail and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is, <laughs> they know this bit inside and out and I'm kind of not even on the uh, the big part of it yet. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I've got the, I'll have the, uh, so how out of play I am at the moment. I was trying to think, uh, uh, you know, I, I was going to say iPhone 13, but I've just been given the iPhone 12 or something like that. Yeah, it's, but, you know, I, I, I love, I think that, you know, you have such a great perspective on things and sometimes you can see kind of our marketplace with a little bit more objectivity because, you know, mm. you, you're not kind of like in it all of the time. So, I mean, and you're still really active in everything. So I, I always love getting to talk to you. If people want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way to get hold of me uh, is either on LinkedIn. I'm Dan Saunders. On that. I think I'm the only Dan Saunders. On that. I damn well better be. Uh, I know I'm the only Dan Saunders that comes up when you, you Google me now. There used to be an Australian bartender that got eaten by a shark uh, that used to outrank me, but I've done my best to, to catch catch that. Well, you know, just to prove I didn't, I didn't. So I'm here, all in one piece. <laughs> even though I you know it's, you can probably tell that I'm not in Australia because I'm wearing like a massive duffel coat sort of level <laughs> jumper. Um, or and you just uh, said jumper. at Dan eighty six. Yeah, jumper. There we go. Yes. Exactly <laughs> uh, instead of sweatshirt, which it actually says on the back of this, it's actually a sweatshirt. Um, but yeah, uh, also on Twitter uh, at Dan Saunders eighty six. Thank you so much for coming. Um, we're uh, I love getting to talk to you. Like I always am so excited when we're going to lead a webinar together. So if you're not following like the SEM Rush webinars, make sure you're on that list so you can you can get into those as well. Uh, we're going to go ahead and go into our five minute fix, uh, and we hope that you have a wonderful week. This is Robin Johnson with your five minute fix. Today, I want to talk to you about price elasticity on Amazon. Uh, a lot of times, you know, a uh, manufacturer will come to us and say, okay, this is our price on our other channels and we need to match that price. But we're concerned that maybe the FBA costs are too high or we want to see, uh, you know, maybe our competitor's price is too low. Uh, and I wanted to talk a little bit about how do you test pricing on Amazon? So the easiest way that we recommend doing test pr uh, price testing is uh, when you're moving up to move up slowly in, in increments. The reason for this is if you move too quickly, Amazon will sometimes suppress your buy box, which means that uh, the it will be more difficult for customers to buy your products. Uh, so I would do small increments on the way up. And if you're testing a lower price, rather than lowering the price for a period and then raising it back up, this can cause uh, buy box suppression issues that we just talked about. Uh, so what I would recommend instead is to use a clippable coupon. The thing about clippable coupons is they do cost 60 cents per redemption, but they show up in your ads. They show up on the uh, SERPs or the search engine result pages. So you can see, you know, it can help with a uh, click-through rate and it can help with conversion. Um, so it can provide a little extra incentive and you can see how much faster things move when they're on that discount. The same thing when you applies when you are uh, pricing things up and you're trying to see if you can increase the price to cover maybe an increase of cost to you as the manufacturer or the, the reseller. Now, the way you would do that is, is, you're, is you're slowly increasing the price. You may make sure you mark down what days you increase the price and at what increments. And then you also want to be watching the detailed sales traffic report by child. And you want to see at one point, do, do you start to see traffic drop? At what point do you start to see conversion drop? So at, once you start to hit those points, that tells you where the price elasticity is for your specific product. 
especially if your product is in demand and there's not a lot of other alternatives available, you might find that you're, you have a price elasticity of maybe 20 or 30% where you can market up significantly over the retail value, especially during peak seasons. However, if you're in a commodity where a lot of uh, the buying decision is going to be based off price, you might find that you have a lot less uh, price elasticity. So as you're testing price elasticity, we, we recommend that you start with clippable coupons uh, to go down. And then when you're moving up, in, increase that slow, uh, slowly uh, over a, a period of several days. Thank you for listening to the Process to Ecom Profits podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get updates for new episodes. Leave a review and one lucky winner each month will win a one-hour call with your choice of our hosts, a value of over $300. Keep listening to hear the winner announced on the first show of the month. You can contact our hosts by using the contact us form at processtoecomprofits.com. You can also find the contact information of our hosts and show guests in the show notes for each episode. 